Hi there, I'm Mike Waters, and we're back with another Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krause Health, the official partner of Syracuse Athletics, providing the latest technology and expertise for the treatment of stroke and cardiac emergencies. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by former Syracuse basketball player Howard Trish. I talked with Howard about growing up in Syracuse, how he initially wanted to go away to college, and how he finally decided to go to his hometown school. We talked about his Syracuse career and, of course, the 1987 NCAA championship game. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. And today, uh, we've got a guy who I didn't actually cover uh, when he was playing at Syracuse, but I've known him for a long time, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast. Uh, former Syracuse player Howard Trish. Welcome to hey. the podcast, Howard. How are you? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think you were probably, I think, I'm sure I'm older. So I think you were probably still in school at the time that I played, perhaps. But I uh, don't things are going know. well. Um, I don't know that you're older. I just know that I missed you by two years when I came up. Oh, okay. In Maybe I just look older. Yeah. I think I got you by a year or so. so oh, okay. You know, so we can trade some old war stories I'll, and everything. I'll let you have that. I'll let you be older. That's fine. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll get, we'll get somebody from the 1966 team in here next time. So I'm young. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I really feel young. All right. So, you know, one thing I've always wanted to ask you, uh, you're not only a former Syracuse player, but you're a Syracuse native. You went to Corcoran high school. Um, why did you decide to stay home and play at Syracuse? <laughs> it's, it, what was funny was I always wanted to go away and, uh, it just became, I don't want to say this, the last resort per se. I uh, just, uh, I guess I eliminated the other schools and found that Syracuse was indeed the place that I should play at. Um, I actually verbally committed to Texas A&M, uh, but they had some issues with uh, Shelby Metcalf and then the AD at the time, I think it was Jackie Sherrill. Uh, there was something crazy going on at the time between them and uh, that I never um, actually, I guess, said it in public or whatever, but I had verbally said, hey, yeah, that's the place. I had some family down that way, so I thought it might have been cool to go away. You know, everybody, they go away, you know, figure out what you want to do with your life, go away. And uh, then the next school I visit was St. John's and uh, that was more impersonal, I found, going to New York City and so forth. I found that was a little bit impersonal. They didn't really have the, the degree program that I, that I wanted. And I had to do, I would have had to do an independent, like, study in a sense to get, and I wasn't prepared for that. And uh, I think the only other school I went to was um, BU. Boston University. Okay. Uh, that was Rick Patino was the coach then. And, um, but it kind of really came down with St. John's, Texas A&M, and one other school that I can't remember uh, besides Syracuse. And then I just, you know, kind of eliminated them and found myself at Syracuse. I never said I didn't want to go to Syracuse. Uh, you know, Coach Band pointed a good thing. You know, Texas A&M wanted me to point, be point guard. That was when 
you know, they had started, you know, point guard being six five or or, or taller because I could handle the ball. But um, St. John's and, and Syracuse saw me as the same thing, but you know, pretty much a two or three um, man. And you know, coach was funny. He said when I told him about Texas A&M or point guard, he's like, "You're not a point guard. Come on." <laughs> He's, he's usually right about most things, so I didn't really see myself as a point guard. I'm more of a, you know, in the trenches kind of kind of guy. I get from playing football for a lot of years, so um, I don't think I was more of the finesse kind of player than a point guard would typically be. So that's how I got to Syracuse. You played football. Um, how how long into, did you play it in high school? Yeah, I stopped my sophomore year. Um, and I stopped playing baseball then, too. It just got to be boring. Um, I guess I didn't really like uh, preseason, like uh, August. It was hot. And, you know, I just kind of – that kind of just turned me off. And um, I think I would have been a great tight end. Um I, I love I played football probably the longest in baseball than I have basketball. Um, you know, I was playing in the streets and in the neighborhood football. I thought I was pretty good tight end and, you know, wide receiver. So, but, you know, I always loved diving for loose balls on the basketball court. That was, that was, that would always bring me back because I would dive at the players and more so than the ball. <laughs> and that's how you end up with it. You know, they teach you to don't jump in front, dive in front um, to recover the ball. So uh, that's what I always did. It was it was a lot of fun. Wow. So and when what position were you in baseball? Um, well, I, I always pitched. Uh, but as I got older, my arm, you know, I don't think I was tall as, as well as I should as far as pitching. My arm would always be bothering me. Um, then I played center field. I needed a position that was action. So I thought center field was, was and then I ended up moving to first base. Um, and then, you know, baseball got to be really boring. I mean, it's, you know, it's basketball, there's always something going. It just, it was really tough to to keep going and, and practice. And as you go in, you know, up and, and levels is, you know, there's a more commitment to practice. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to commit that kind of practice, either football, basketball, you know, ba- football or baseball that you needed. Um, and then I started, you know, playing more basketball. So it was, it was kind of a process of elimination, just like the schools were, you know, after a while as, as well. So, kind of a natural progression i guess it was more organic my decisions were than 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 you know kind of playing pros and cons i guess now when you do decide to go to syracuse correct me if i'm wrong but that means you're in the same recruiting class as pearl washington yeah well we weren't up against each other so but you know that that, that was a whole different you know we all benefit (laughs) Uh, Greg, Greg, and myself, and and uh, the, some of the other players recruited and came in. You know, George Papadakis. Uh, I believe it was four of us. Um, <clears throat> we always we always laugh and say, "God, that's he was he was like a shop steward because he uh, he brought us all kinds of stuff that we were able to do. You know, we were the first class really to stay off. You know, stay out of the dorms as freshmen. We were the first class to stay off campus. Oh, really? 
Yeah. And, and that was because of Pearl? That was because of Pearl. It was, <laughs> that was very easy to put together because, uh, you know, and, you know, we benefited some other things as well and uh, from from Dwayne being there. Uh, and, and, and it should be, you know, they should have, you know, taken care of. I think he was really, the, really the top recruit uh, for coach and uh, in an excitement level standpoint, uh, Dwayne. Uh, pretty funny. Was, uh, you know, Coach sat us down. He said, you know, uh, and I'll see if I get this right. I kind of sometimes screw this up the way, way he says it is that, you know, you, you have to remember that I'll treat you fairly, but everyone won't be betreated the same. And that was preferencing the <laughs> Pearl standpoint. You know, one thing a coach does is that he understands the players and, you know, you can't treat everyone the same. Um, you can treat them fairly, but you can't treat everyone the same. I mean, there's, there's rules that, you know, you come in late, there's such an happens. And, you know, I carried, always carried that over to my professional life too when managing people. It's a, I would share that as well. And I, I think that was a very important lesson that I took from coach. What was, what was Pearl like? Uh, maybe off the court back in those days. Um, yeah, he, he really wanted, you know, wanted to have fun, uh, enjoy, enjoy, um, you know, his, his time there, there at Syracuse, um, you know, pretty comical. Um, uh, I, mean, I was his roommate his freshman year. So, but, you know, I didn't really see him too much. Um, his family was up all the time, man. They loved, they loved him. They would come up in bus loads. And I got to know his, his family pretty well and his girlfriend at the time. Uh, and uh, I think we're, we're still friends. And um, now, you know, his brother Beaver was, was pretty funny. Boy, they would come up and, uh, you know, they would have almost, you know, they have 50, 60 people come up and, and, uh, you know, have tickets. And that means we don't, if we didn't have our parents or something, we wouldn't get tickets. But now, uh, you know, things are a little bit different as far as how they hand out tickets, uh, which is pretty funny. You know, and then the same thing would happen in New York. Man, you know, people would come out of the woodworks to, you know, to have, uh, ask uh, Dwayne for tickets and, and so forth. And, um, you know, as, as every game, you know, he just got to be bigger and bigger. Uh, from that stand, pretty always humble. You know, we didn't really talk about basketball too much. Um, you know, uh, shy guy from Central New York, and and uh, you know, outgoing Dwayne. Um, you know, I learned a, learned a few things from him, and uh, as as things go, and I'm, I'm sure we taught each other some things that um, living in different uh, areas of the state you know, brought, brought about. So it, it was, must have been wild going to play St. John's at the garden or going to the big East tournament at the garden with, with, with Pearl leading the way. Yeah. Yes. Like I said, uh, as he, as he got, you know, his showcase and his, you know, his confidence grew. Um, I think he always came in with, with confidence and, and the ability that he can do because he had success doing those uh, things, handling the ball. Man, he was faster with the ball than without the ball and dribbled like inches from the floor. It was pretty spectacular. 
you know, he, anytime he had the ball, it was it was a lot tougher to catch than than without the ball. So it was like it was always just part of his hands. And then going, you know, in St. John's, uh, his girlfriend actually went to St. John's. So, um, you know, he knew players from there and, and, and so forth. So it was always pretty much a battle uh, for him. Um, and he took, took pride in, in that and so forth. And we had other players that were from New York as well. So it was, you know, in the time, Big East, that was, you know, those were huge rivals. You know, while Pearl hits the ground running, you know, and is a sensation basically from the, from the get-go, mm-hmm. you had a different experience. Uh, your first two years, I, you didn't, there were games where you didn't even get in uh, yeah. freshman and sophomore yeah. year. I think I had better success actually my freshman year than I did my, my sophomore year. Um, you know, um, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly why the difference in years standpoint, but you know, I, I had a I had a little bit of problem adapting in the game. I always played well, you know, if it was Empire State games or you know off season and, and so forth. It was probably more of the pressure of at Syracuse, I think, and relaxing and build and building confidence between coach and myself. So coach, I don't, you know, he probably always had confidence and knew that I could do. It's just me demonstrating that, you know, consistently on the court. Um, and I did contemplate leaving after my sophomore year. You um, did? Yeah, yeah. I, I went to, <laughs> funny, I, I visited Northeastern. Jim Calhoun was there. He remembered me from five-star basketball camp. And uh, uh, George Washington University. John Kuster was the coach. He was actually the assistant at BU when I was visitor, and he played at North Carolina, and he went on and coached at um, – I think he coached the Bulls. Um, and uh, so it really actually – you know, I was pretty much leaning to go to George Washington. I thought that was a great school, and, um, you know, I had definitely a chance to play and so forth. But what, what happened was – Syracuse at the time, we would, you know, every four years or somewhere around there, the schools were allowed to go overseas and play. So that just happened to be the year that Syracuse was going overseas and I hadn't made a decision. And, you know, it was starting to be in August and school was going to be starting up, you know, in, in several weeks. And I still hadn't made a decision. Um, and then, um, I talked, I remember talking to John Houston. I said, you know, he was like, ah, yeah, go on a trip. But he didn't realize something. School would already be started when I got back. So it was, you know, the trip was already a weekend, would be a weekend when school started. So that would be kind of a tough transition. And then I think I realized at that point that I don't think I'm going anywhere. Uh, So I went to... I don't, you know, I'm not really sure actually that it came to that. Maybe there might have been some chance of, of of leaving. But when I went overseas, we, you know, we played and I had to start. I mean, I had to play because I think a couple of guys were hurt and they didn't go on the trip. Or it might have been one that was still hurt. So, you know, I started during the whole time and I always had great summers. And 
I, I think I played well. And, uh, and coach saw that. And I think, I, I think we kind of build that confidence in each other together. And, uh, so when I got back, I, I started my junior year and, uh, and then was able to, you know, I had some inconsistencies and, and so forth. Sometimes, you know, anxiety would creep, creep back in. Um, I don't know if it was panic attacks or whatever. Um, it, it might've been, it was more in my head than anywhere else. Um, so it will, you know, to continually work through that on occasions that, you know, that would come back, but, um, I thought, you know, I had a pretty good junior year and then obviously the senior year was, was even more spectacular. Do you remember where that trip was to overseas? Yeah. 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 I still, <laughs> I still remember we went to Greece, uh, Germany and, um, I can't remember. It was one more spot, but it was a it was a uh, great it was a great tournament in Greece. Tel Aviv team played, and um, they had some of the old NBA players there. Um, I think you know we I don't know if we were like fifty five hundred during the trip, or or we came up a few games ahead. Um, but it was a it was a great trip, great experience for me. And that, that you would have taken uh, Ronnie Cycli over with you and Greg Monroe and Sherman Douglas. Or... Yeah, yeah, all those guys came. We actually went to Ronnie's house. Um, <laughs> what was funny is that you know he lived near where all the ambassadors and and, and so forth lived, and uh, well, I think we were we were invited. We went to dinner. We were at dinner. We went to dinner and had dinner at his house, and he showed us a DJ booth he had in the back in his basement, which was funny because now he's a DJ. And yeah. none of us are surprised because we kind of knew that, but didn't know to the, to the extent that he was. So it's funny. And we crack up like fun, Sonny Sparrow and, um, you know, and, and, and guys, uh, we just, we, we crack up about that now. If we, you know, maybe he took it serious, more serious than we thought. You know, he had his own little thing, his equipment in the back. It was. I remember going around the back of his house, and it was kind of under the house, and it was a, a little studio that he had, and um, he was, you know, house music junkie. How about that? Uh, the beginnings of his DJ career back then. Yeah. And also, like you said, it's the beginning of uh, what's going to be your last two years are going to be completely different than your first two. Yeah. Um, you get, you, you started every single game, junior and senior year. Mm -hmm. uh, you become a fixture in that, in, in that lineup. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about is at the end of your junior year, Pearl leaves. Mm -hmm. How much confidence or what was the feeling then with him leaving and a, a young Sherman Douglas on the roster who really hadn't played a whole lot as a freshman. Um, what were your thoughts regarding the transition there at point guard? Were you, were you high on Sherman? Oh yeah. Sherman, you know, when you're in practice and you play with the guys, you know, and his uh, just um, tenaciousness and he's, you know, he's a warrior. He won't back down. He might, you know, and he was even smaller, you know, than he is now. When he, you know, in college, he was probably, I don't, God, one sixty maybe or something like that. He was, you know, he was 
510 or uh, 5'11", uh, you know, probably not six foot. Uh, Which is what they listed him at. Yeah, yeah. But he was, you know, he had, you know, moves, you know, the you never knew when he was shooting a shot or is doing an alley-oop. And he kind of perfected that. And we would always see that, um, you know, and he would always go head to head with Dwayne. You know, he didn't, he didn't let up on Dwayne. And, uh, you know, they had some scuffles here and there. You know, and that's what that's how you know. That's when when someone's ready. You know, they're not going to back down. And um, and then Sherman, you know, Sherman came came onto his own that that junior year. And uh, uh, you know, one thing I noticed more so my junior year about uh, Sherman, and I knew he was going to be a, a professional. He was the only guy that paid attention to the film. I mean, really paid attention to the film where he's asking questions, you know, what about this? And what about, I said, you know, when it was, I don't know if you remember when he was coming out in senior year, um, you know, it's question whether he would, would make the league or not. And I would always say just because of that, he's going to make it. That's, you know, that's that, those are the things that, what are you doing that someone else is not doing? To give you an advantage, and that's one of those things that I always contribute to um, to, to Sherman as doing something that no one else is, is doing to that degree. Um, I, I knew that because it, you know that shows his commitment and understanding of the game, and that's what you need as a point guard. And I think that served him well playing in the NBA. Oh, and. Yeah, my first year on the beat was his senior year, and I, I was I was amazed at, at watching him run the point because by then, you know, as a senior, yeah, he was fully in control. He was in charge of everything on the floor. Yeah. Um, what were your first impressions of Derek Coleman? <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> that was that chip on his shoulder. I think uh, you know, and, and I think that served him well. Uh, you know, they have the confidence and his ability. Um, and uh, wherever he got that, that chip from, you know, it came out in the, in the games or in practice and so forth. Um, and, uh, you know, all the guys really just want to have fun um, and enjoy their time there um, and not take things too serious. Um, because, you know, that helps you relax and then, you know, the games and, and so forth. Um, you know, Derek wanted to win. That's bottom line. He wanted to win. And, uh, you know, he would say or do whatever so he could he could win. <laughs> yeah, I know that chip on the shoulder well. <laughs> he sometimes brought it to interviews. <laughs> well, you know, and it, 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 you know to, from, from his standpoint, I think he – and then he said it before that college was the best years of his life. And, uh, you know, him looking back and he appreciated things. And I think we all do knowing what we know now, uh, when we look back is that we appreciate things a lot more, uh, that went through and what people did to help us and, um, and assist us. We might not have understood it all the time at the time it was going on, but in reflection, and I'm sure Derek will tell you that, you know, there's people there that, that helped him. And he, you know, he had a great experience. It wasn't all business, 
right? It was mm-hmm. when you're out to have fun. And uh, that's ba- basically it. I mean, I'm sure if you talk to him now, you know, NBA was was work. What was what was the team's attitude or you know, what was your expectations going into your senior year? Um, oh, I was the I was me and Greg were the next three point shooters. <laughs> I mean, for, from my standpoint, it was um, I didn't really shoot many three pointers, and I think that was the first year that there were. Uh, I just remember the three point line coming coming of age, and I was uh, I'm trying to. I think we were kind of high in the, in the Big East of finishing. Um, I remember me and Greg, his captains going down to the Big East, you know, for the, um, for the, um, um, reporters or the, whatever. The the, the preseason media day? Preseason, yeah. Yeah. Meeting and so forth and going down and and talking. I I learned, actually, I learned a lot from that, from just the questions (laughs) that people were asking. I didn't know where we were, but they were asking these questions. So I guess I learned learned about what, what we were going to be. And those were the things that came up. And those were the questions that were asked about, you know, um, what about mostly a lot about the three point line and so forth. And I probably took taken my senior year, maybe five threes and probably most of them were last second shots, you know, that, that you just throw up. Um, I, I was always the kind of guy that, you know, the closer you can shoot, the more higher percentage you would get. So it made sense. Um, and no need to shoot as far out. And not that I couldn't, I just, it was just so much easier in the way I played that I was able to get closer. So when did that team or when did you personally begin to think we have a shot to go all the way? <laughs> um, it's, it's funny you asked that. I see. Um, so the start of the tournament, I think I remember saying, um, I want to play. And it probably was a question that was asked, similar to what you're asking. And I said, I want to play the last game. My mistake was not saying I want to win the last game. <laughs> so my goal was already shot. You know, that's it already shot down. Um <laughs> You have to be. I reflect specific. on that every now and then. I was like, God, I had the wrong goal. Yeah, I played the last game, but what about winning the last game? Um, I think um, <laughs> I remember talking to Bernie. He says it's up to Ronnie. Ronnie's got to play well for us to to do that. Um, That's interesting because yeah, Ronnie did. Had the, you know, it was up to Ronnie. You know, because sometimes Ronnie, you know, he would start reading newspaper articles, and then that would be. That would be it. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we know we needed to get him the ball initially, you know, the, you know, get a couple of baskets and then, you know, he'd play better defense. Um, you know, he was a great athlete, even, you know, first coming in, he was raw from basketball, but, you know, he was, he was always athletic and, you know, he worked hard uh, to get where he was by senior year, uh, his senior year. Um, and you know, he had a great parole career. Um, but I don't think, um, I think once Providence beat Georgetown, I think we had, 
you know, because Georgetown had our number that year, I think, you know. But Providence, we had Providence number. <laughs> so, but, you know, we had beat them three times, I believe, prior to. And then the odds are like, oh, gee, you know, you start, things start running through your head. Well, you know, it's tough to be somebody four times. But, Unless we, you uh, yeah, but I think around then is when Providence beat Georgetown, I think, and I think we had beat North Carolina or, or the game before that, I can't remember totally, but um, I think that's when um, I thought we could we could win. Well, going back to what you said about Ronnie, you know, in the Sweet 16, you beat Florida with Dwayne Sintius, <laughs> you know, an All-American center for Florida. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the Elite Eight, you beat North Carolina, which had J.R. Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Kenny um, – and. Um, Kenny Smith. Scott Williams. Yeah, they had, uh, they know, had a great team. Another big guy. Yeah. Um, so anyway. We uh, matched so, up well against them. I think the matchups were well. I think I might have had an advantage being more of a moving small forward than uh, – I can't remember if it was Wolf or one of the other guys. I can't remember totally, but they're three-man. But he was bigger and slower, I think. Um, so we had a – I think we had – we had more of an advantage, uh, more dynamic. You know, when we played man, <laughs> I was sick of sicker than a dog that game. I think, you know, I think a lot of times when people are sick or players, they, they just play and that, you know, nothing else goes through their mind. They're just playing. I mean, you can count how many players saying they were sick <laughs> and how what great games they had. And that was one of them. I couldn't, I kept asking coach to take me out. He wouldn't take me out. I was dying. I had, you know, I was the cold or the flu, cold or something. I could barely breathe. And it carried over actually into Final Four, too. I was sick. And I think it, by the last game, I might have, might have been feeling better. But um, all right. So we got to jump to the championship game. Yeah. You weren't specific at the start of the tournament. So you made the final game, but there's now there's, there's no guarantee about winning. What are your memories? What stands out when you think back to that game against Indiana? Oh, we didn't want to play UNLV. I thought, I thought our matchup on UNLV might not have been the, been the greatest. Um, I thought we matched up better with, with Indiana. And um, I thought we had a solid plan going into the game. Not let Steve Elfer shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good plan. <laughs> so... So it didn't work out well the first half. He had seven threes, you know, record. It probably still stands. Uh, and uh, I don't know, you know, what happened. You know, he's running off screens and so on. If nobody could – it's like nobody could stay with him. Or, or, you know, we were, I think, playing zone, man, you know, that first half. And, um, and I just remember other thing, getting called for some – um, ghost fouls. I mean, I think I wasn't even on the one side of the court and they called a foul on me. So I, I think I was in foul trouble, I think, the first half or, or somewhere around there. I remember having sitting and like, what the world's going on? I remember two calls, two fouls that were just wasn't even near the person and they called them on me. Um, if I ever see those refs again. Um, but, you know, these are just kind of excerpts and, and, you know, 
things that kind of remember that kind of stuck out. Um, you know, I think defensively we we played pretty good other than, you know, controlling Alfred from that standpoint. I think our offense was pretty steady um, going going along, except for, you know, fouls when I came out. I really wanted to play it as much as possible in, in that game. And then, you know, the first half went out. I didn't realize he had that many threes the first half. And coach was coach was pissed to say the least. Then we came out second half and we had some different defensive strategies, you know, triangle and two, diamond and one. I think we were kind of using on, on Alfred and so forth. But he didn't score in the second half, I don't believe. So that part worked. And then um, but another guy I don't know what happened. Well, I do know now what happened, but I didn't know at the time what happened with Keith Smart come second half. Tell us what happened. <laughs> so I learned after, you know, we did a podcast uh, uh, several months ago, and and that was one of the questions that I asked. I was like, you know, it's like you were possessed the second half. You know, what in the world happened? He said, uh, coach um, Coach Knight told him he needed to play or else he wasn't going to be there next year. Because I could never understand how, you know, motivated someone came out in the second half, how quick and, uh, you know, explosive he was. And, you know, he, he just took everything. He was going up over Ronnie. I mean, he was just kind of everywhere on the court. You know, and in the in – the, uh, uh, the recruiting, you know, the, uh, the stats on him was that he wasn't a shooter or could shoot. So, you know, that all, I mean, I listened to that and I understood, you know, going in, the, you know, it was an important game and who was, who was the shooters and who not to. And, uh, you know, he just came out really explosive. And, and that was important to, you know, it's kind of understanding what, what really was going on in his mind and what was going on and, and the transition and, and so forth in, in the games, because that was always a question to me. I thought maybe he was on drugs or something that came out. <laughs> <laughs> like, did they drug test him? You know, and then, uh, but it was, you know, Coach Knight knew how to motivate. Um, and he definitely motivated uh, Keith. And, uh, and we were kind of going, you know, back and forth and it was tight. It was funny. It was about, I think Derek was on the free throw line. I was at, center court either with Greg or Sherman. And I said, hey, we can win this game. And that was like the first realization, thinking I, that we had a chance to win. And then um, then we didn't. <laughs> I think it was about two minutes left at the time. Oh, so it was uh, not, not the we last up, I think we were up three or three or four at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, – you know, it just came to me that hey, you know, we could we could win this we could win this game. Um, I thought we were playing pretty good from a offense standpoint, and uh, but you know, Keys was Swiss cheesing us on, on on defense, and he but he was really the only one really scoring. I think in the, in the last few minutes of the game, um, you know, we missed a couple of one on ones. I think I made the first and missed the second, um, and. Uh, Derek missed the front end, and I think Keith got in, actually went all the way to the other end to score. Um, and then we uh, kind of transitioned. How the, you know, how the end went was 
Um, I think we were in triangle in two. I was at the top of the um, triangle and uh, the ball was moving around on the outside and it went into to, um, to their big man, which I forget if it was Garrett. Um, so I doubled down helping Ronnie and uh, he kicked it back out to Keith. Keith dot, took one dribble or dotted to the, to the end line, you know, went up. I'm thinking, hey, he's, that's what we want. We want him to shoot a jump shot. Right. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, he's not a shooter. So I just, you know, just put my hand up from a contest standpoint. And, you know, he made it, and that kind of devastated us all. Um, and I, I think we weren't sure if we had timeouts left. And I think that was kind of our lapse because we allowed maybe – 12 seconds to go off the clock um, before we end up calling a timeout or we did call a timeout. Uh, the rest didn't see me. I can't remember. Cause I remember holding up my hand, but I'm looking around and nobody's else is saying timeout. <laughs> I like took my hand down. Like, Oh man, we don't have timeouts. <laughs> uh, and then we finally, uh, you know, call timeout. And I think we had four or five seconds left. We got a little bit less than a minute left, Howard. Yeah. Um, that was a brutal loss. Does yeah. it? Are you over it, or does it still stick in your craw? Um, I, I always say we, you know, one day we we're going to win that game, and I think the 2003 championship was that uh, win. Uh, I wasn't on the team, but um, it was in the same place, similar situations. I just knew we were going to win. It was just that. Uh, redemption, and that was the redemption I think that it's um, happened. You know, everybody always say, oh, we didn't lose; we ran out of time." So, yeah, uh, the time extended to that to there. Well, so that's what about maybe the in some parallel time. universe we won. I don't know. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we're running out of time here too. But yeah. um, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. It yeah. flew by. I want to thank Howard for joining me on the podcast today, and thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.